2: and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin.
3: And I'm David Gurra. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I'm Viosa, And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast! podcast.
4: Seven months late, but we'll take it. The Masters is underway in Augusta, Georgia. The race for the Green Jacket. Right now, Paul Casey is your leader at seven under par. Tiger Woods had a great day. Three shots back at four under. But unfortunately, Fez's guy, Bryson DeChambeau, tied for 21st, two under par in the first round.
6: You know, you say Fez's guy. This is a professional, yeah. as, a, as an insider in It it's a professional thing. Let's go over the odds. We've got the who's... F- um, on the leaderboard, but Vegas says, well, we're going to take the leaderboard and blend it with the assumptions going in. So let's say you've got a favorite that's leading after the first round, that favorite's going to be more of a favorite. And you know what? If you have a long shot that's leading after the first round, they'll still improve their odds greatly, but not as much as you might think. So let's use Paul Casey as an example. He came in at 55 to 1. He's now 18 to one. 18 to one's mighty good, But now you look at the leader when it comes to odds, the favorite, Justin Thomas, he's four to one. So wait a minute. Paul Casey's minus seven. That's his score. Thomas is minus five. Casey's 18 to one, but Thomas is four to one. It goes to show you this is how the professionals do it with, let's say, football. They call it priors. So what's a prior? It means before this season, what was our assumptions about the season? Now, different people do that different ways, Feds. For example, in the NFL, if you're a X's and O's handicapper, if you're a player-level handicapper, oh, look, they added this guard. He's really good. Those guys come up with their own kind of rankings. They'll say, I'm looking at this team like I would be grading a fantasy team or something, but I know how good these players are, and together they're going to be this good. Or, what you can do is just take the Vegas win totals and say, Vegas is pretty smart. I'm going to rank them 1-32. to And then, if that team, any of those teams, is so much different the first four or five games, yeah, we're going to take those four or five games seriously. But the prior assumptions also are pertinent. So, at what point do you get rid of your prior? Some people say, literally, at the end of the year, you should still be looking at them. Others, week five, maybe, they're done with them. In the NFL, when do you get rid of lat- your assumptions coming in? Right about Thanksgiving. So,
7: about 12 weeks, I'll, I'll keep the So, priors. you eat
6: that turkey and say, that's it? <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it, we're you, are,
7: you are what we've seen this year <laughs> after Thanksgiving.
6: I think, that's, I, I think the instincts are, that's about right. I don't think it is. I think you hold those priors longer, because it's only 16 games. And we've had this argument so much. What about 16 games during the baseball season? A typical 162 games. Now we can debate, well, baseball's got more luck to it, but still, there's been a lot of weird 16 game streaks, a lot of them. Look at the, I mean, really, if you look at the Falcons, that's such a great example. The Falcons very easily could be 4 and 0 with their new interim coach. And they had zero wins before that. So you are literally winless. And then at a certain point, you're undefeated or should be. Back to back years for the Falcons, same sort of thing. Yeah, they finished six and two uh, last eight last year. Okay, so we'll just go down the list now of the favorites, but I think you have an idea. This is going to be a combination of both how they did today and also the prior assumptions. So the favorite right now, Justin Thomas, four to one, Dustin Johnson, seven to one. You know, Jonas, I'm going to let you, this Xander fellow, I'm going to let you do his name.
4: Xander Shoffley.
6: Yeah, Shoffley. That's it. Shoffley. (laughs) I was was just testing you. He's third at ten to one, and then you literally have. Oh wow, that's interesting. It's out of order here. Is uh, John Rahm is twelve to one, and then you've got Bryson DeChambeau at fourteen to one, and then Tiger at eighteen to one. So Fez, we have our embed report. You are. You call him by his first name, right? Yeah, Bryson. Bryson, how's it? How'd it go today?
7: I'm not gonna lie. There was a setback early for six one two forty Bryson. Bryson, uh, <laughs> you're giving it. You're quoting his stats. <laughs> he comes up. He started. He teed off in the back nine. He's even further. His round 13th, the par five that he was going to turn into his own personal
6: pitch and putt. Okay, so the, now uh, Deschambeau, as I call him out of respect, he. Is a long. He's long off the tee, right? So he's not going to bother with
7: the 13th fairway. He's going to boom it past the 13th fairway into the 14th fairway to have a better angle into the green, a real short shot. Now,
6: are you a fan of that style of play? Love it. What, what do you <laughs> What do you love about it?
7: I, it's just so different. You know, he thinks out of the box and just um, recrafted his entire game this year to be able to out- overpower different courses.
6: Now we got into this a little bit yesterday. I'm RJ Bowe, straight out of Vegas. If, if Bryson DeChambeau was this powerful all along, I don't feel like you'd be such a big fan. It feels like because somehow he went from not powerful to powerful, there's something about your history, your background that, that, that draws you to that.
7: Exactly. Because he was a scientist. All his club shafts um, are the same length. He does things differently, but he was never bulked up at all. And then he decided, hey, as a scientist, let me go ahead and get muscle better and hit it further. drink your Milkshake.
5: I drink it up.
6: All right. So, a lot of personal <laughs> stuff going on there, Faz. But how are you feeling for the rest of the tournament?
7: I think volatile. Because and that thirteenth hole really summed it up. So so Bryson, he hit a tree before he got to the fourteenth fairway. Then he hit it into the azaleas. Then he couldn't find it for a while. Then he found it.
6: The type of flower that he hit it into?
7: Yes, deep azaleas. Finally, (laughs) he came out with a seven on the hole that he said was like a par four for him. Put him behind the eight ball. Lost two strokes. And then he he rallied four under the rest of the round, so he's in contention. The fact he could overcome such a disastrous start to the round is a good sign, but it's not a good sign that he was all over
6: the place. If you want to join the DeChambeau fan club, it's at Sports on Twitter, (laughs) F-E-Z-Z-I-K. Jonas! What did you think of the first round?
4: Uh, No, I was happy to see Tiger come back. There was probably a thought that, well, you know, he won last year. It had been so long since he'd won a major, so maybe Tiger would take a step back and, you know, kind of fall back down to earth. But he played really well in round one, and and we know how this goes. For a lot of people that aren't really into golf, they just look to see where Tiger is on the standings. So as long as he's in contention, it's going to keep people interested, and I think it's it's a weekend with football and everything else going on. They need as many... Any big names as possible to stay in contention there, because I think it's it's unique that it's in November, but you can't deny the fact that it's going head to head with all these games.
6: So my understanding is they have less games in the one o'clock window this week on Sunday. Yeah. The theory being less competition than for the Masters. So yeah. you know, to say, I think this is the most later games we've had. Or, or should have this this entire year? You're saying five at the one o'clock window. Yes. Okay, so that's interesting. So to me, last thing I'll say on it is with Tiger. On one hand, I want to fade him because he's a very public handicapper, and or, or I'm sorry, he's a very public golfer. The betters like to bet, and that's when you handicap him. It's like, uh oh, I'm gonna be over there with Barney at the bar, Freddie Fanny Pack, those guys like Tiger. I, it's hard for me to like Tiger. But the most difficult time for a professional handicapper, better, is when the right answer is where the public is for different reasons. And to me, I think Tiger is somewhat the right answer. You know why? The Masters is the biggest bet event, but it's also the highest pressure event. People, if they could have one, especially Americans, they could have one title as a golfer, it'd be the Masters for most people. It's not the PGA. It's going to be the Masters. So... The pressure is at max. The lights are as bright as they get in golf. And who does well under the bright lights? A winner, a long-term winner, a guy who even excels Tiger when the pressure is on. So on one hand, I want to look to Tiger. On the other hand, he's expensive because Barney at the Bar is on Tiger for different reasons. Closing thoughts, Fest. Well, remember this course sets up the best
7: for Tiger in terms of majors. He's the defending champion. People forget that. I mean, he plays very well
6: at Augusta. No doubt. I don't think people forget Tiger's the defending champion. They might forget because it's been a long time ago. Other than, like we said recently, and that's what makes this challenging. There was a long time you could just dismiss Tiger. Mm. He was would enter every tournament as one of the six or seven best or favorites. And he wouldn't, he'd be out, you know, withdraw bad back. Right. right? In the last two years, he's been playing well, or at least let's say starting two years ago for quite a while, he was playing mighty well. There was at one point over like three majors, he hadn't won any of them, but over three majors, he had the best score. Meaning if you took the score from one and the second and the third, he had the best score, Tiger Woods did. And then he ended up winning finally again. But then, I don't know if it was like he met his goal or whatever, but physically, it feels like he dropped way off at that yes, point. Yes, he did. And the question is can he come back almost like DeChambeau? Maybe he should get on his milkshakes. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Straight
8: out of Vegas!
5: Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
4: So, RJ, the reigning MVP in the NFL is Lamar Jackson, and the Baltimore Ravens are 6-2, and having another strong start to their season. But it was recently, as, as recent as yesterday, that Lamar Jackson, in appearing on the Rich Eisen show, said that defenses this year know the plays that are coming and are yelling out run and pass as they come to the line of scrimmage there in Baltimore.
6: Now, a lot of people might say, if you look at the Ravens, They've lost to the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. They've lost to the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. And they've won every other game. And it's not like there's been all these real close games. That Philly game was close. But in the scheme of things, that was a big surge at the end by Philly. Give them credit, but still. Baltimore was in control of that game and most games, other than the two games they've lost. If you're 6-2, and two, that means you're going to be 12-4 and four if it continues. That's a pretty good season. In fact, Fez, no team no team hardly ever is expected to be better than 12 and 4 right so an over under win total of like 12 and a half is almost unheard of yeah kansas
7: city and baltimore were both lined at
6: 11 and a half wins the two co favorites so if they finish the year if baltimore ravens finish the year the way they've started the first half they will exceed their win total expectation they will exceed yes. what vegas expected of them okay and if anything you would make the case you're going to play the Steelers again. Okay, so that's the same first half, second half. You play the Steelers once, but you're not going to play Kansas City again. Mm-hmm. So in theory, you're better off in the second half because that one of the two teams that beat you, you don't have to play again. But the numbers tell a different story. Number one, let's talk Super Bowl odds. The Ravens the whole year were number two behind Kansas City. Yes. At different points, almost number one. And Faz, you've said at various points, I'm going to try to imitate you here, it might not be exactly right, <laughs> but you said the following. The distance between the first two teams, Kansas City and Baltimore, are the most I can remember... Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. Is that was that a good imitation? Yes. Okay. I mean, again, I, you hear yourself differently, you know, because you don't your, your ear bones and all. You've heard of that, right? And then when people hear the voice on a recorder, it's like, what? what Who is that? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. See, that is what I hear when I listen to you. But. <laughs> But that isn't really the case anymore, or do you still think it's the case? It is not the case anymore. But the Ravens are winning, mostly. So, what is it that troubles you about the Ravens? And then we'll talk about what Lamar maybe is seeing.
7: So Lamar Jackson obviously just had a tremendous year last year and he's struggling with a lot of his passes making
6: Baltimore a one-dimensional well, what do you team mean, a lot of his passes. What's his stats? What I mean like where is he struggling? What's his QBR? I mean you you worship at the altar of QBR, don't you?
7: I do and his QBR is number 17 after being number 1 last year.
6: Okay, so generally his efficiency's down. Yes. Okay, and you're saying though they're winning it's problematic. Yes. I agree with that. Let's look at uh, success rate, which is a concept in football that every play based on the yardage and down has a criteria of success. And generally, teams, it's 50%. Each of them, if you're above 50, you're doing a little bit better than average. Below 50, you're doing worse than average. If you look at it passing the ball, Baltimore's down about 5 percentage points on their success rate. So down a little bit. Here's what no one's talking about. The defenses that Baltimore's played against the pass. So Lamar passing against those defenses, those defenses, second most difficult schedule of opposing defenses against the pass in the NFL. The Giants, the most difficult. Huh. Second most Baltimore. So maybe Mr. Daniel Jones isn't as bad as he seems, but Lamar's been going against, he's been going against tough pass defenses. Probably explains a lot of it. Now, what is also a problem, though, that's not explainable, at least by the difficulty of the defense, is the rush efficiency of Baltimore has dropped about the same amount. So pass down somewhat, rushing down somewhat. And there's no reason because the defenses against the rush are below average. The Ravens have played. But even more concerning... Lamar Jackson's efficiency went from through the roof, outstanding, to 11 points below average. So the average success rate for a quarterback run is 60%. Because it's not expected. Mm-hmm. When they do it, they you know, usually do it well. Lamar's success rate is 49%. 11 percentage points below an average running quarterback. To me, this harkens back to the Wildcat. What is Lamar's offense except perhaps a glorified Wildcat? You've got a Wildcat back that can throw. Throw much better, let's admit, than the typical Wildcat back. I've always been a fan since Lamar started of John Harbaugh thinking he'll keep iterating. He'll keep iterating, making changes, adjustments. They'll try to, defense will try to do this, and then Harbaugh will do that. Well, just like in an NBA seven-game series, adjustment, reaction to it. Adjustment. Rea- at some point, there's no moves left. At some point, mm-hmm. like a game of tennis, they're just going to shrug. I got nothing more to do here. It feels like the defenses have been iterating on making adjustments on Lamar's running. And at this point, the Ravens don't have another move, it seems like. that The game has ended. Now, it could change in the future. And Fez, you believe we saw maybe a little bit of that against the Colts.
7: Yeah, so what happened against the Colts is Baltimore was completely um, unable to run the ball in the first half or move the ball. The offense scored zero points, defensive touchdown their only score. And then Baltimore... Basically said, you know what, this isn't working. Running the ball first down, which we do as much almost as anyone in the NFL, we're number two in the NFL running the ball on first down. The number of runs. Number of runs, right. They went in and abandoned it, and they threw the ball aggressively throughout the third quarter for the first five plays on the first drive, three of the first four second drive. They threw the ball, and they made that adjustment,
6: and they were successful. Ten out of ten, I think he was, Lamar, in the second half. But here's the thing, Jonas, and I'm going to ask you generally what you're seeing with the Ravens, but what I find interesting is if you surprise at halftime with a whole different style of play, it might work in that game, but where do you go from there? Now, in theory, the next opponent has to prepare for both. But if Lamar can throw when the other team's ready for him, then he truly is a great NFL quarterback. If he can only throw when the other team has to sell out for the run, then when the run stops working, where are you at? What do you think?
4: yeah, and, and I also wonder if they were banking on the off season being able to add some new things, some new wrinkles. Obviously, they had reached whatever their peak was a year ago. They were the best team in the league. And because they didn't really have the off season, if they came into this season and didn't have a lot to go to as far as a counterpunch uh, to, to another team's being able to stop them on the run or being able to see, because you know how the NFL is. If you see it on offense enough, you're going to be able to come up with, with some sort of a design to stop it. And they didn't have that offseason to, to implement that. And so I've wondered if maybe this is just going to slightly improve as the season goes on, because you talk about the Steelers game. The Steelers were one of the best rushing defenses in the NFL, and Baltimore ran for 200-plus on them. You talked about the game against Indianapolis last week. That was a massive game, a team that's been talked about as, well, they can beat the you know also runs in the NFL, but they're not winning a lot of these quality games like the playoff games. And they went in there, and they won that game. So I'm starting to wonder. If maybe they're finding something, maybe they're starting to figure something out, and maybe they're going to start winning some of these big games down the stretch.
6: See, that's interesting because when I think about it, I think about the defense is reacting more than ball. I mean, really, Baltimore, the whole new wrinkles would only come from what the other team does. If you're the best running team and maybe the best offense in football, if not one of the top couple, you don't need any changes. Right? You keep doing, as Fez would say, "Mots more of the same. But – once you start getting stopped, now the wrinkles, now the adjustments come into play. They weren't really stopped last year, so it strikes me that Harbaugh could have speculated what are people going to start doing. But how do you put in wrinkles until you know what the reaction is going to be, right?
4: One of the uh, I was talking to Bucky Brooks about this on Fox Sports Radio. He's a former NFL scout, and he was saying that zone defense. Has been a killer against Baltimore. That teams that play zone have really had success because it forces Lamar to have to throw the ball outside the hashes, and he's not good and he's not accurate at it. So there is a blueprint on how to beat him. It wasn't just a couple of anomalies in the postseason by the Chargers and by the Tennessee Titans. There's clearly a you can beat them like this, and I wonder if these comments are Lamar's frustration with himself as much as anything not being able to figure out how to beat his own defense
8: straight out of vegas!
5: be sure to catch live editions of straight out of vegas weekdays at 6 p.m eastern 3 p.m pacific
0: mtv's official challenge podcast is back for another season and guess what
9: We rock the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were
5: like, what? What are we
9: in for? The
8: scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off.
9: Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons.
5: Igadala to Curry, back to Igadala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron
9: James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Store on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your
4: podcasts. The crossfire this week is in the NFC East. It's the Giants and the Eagles. And on pregame.com right now, you can find this line at the, and pardon me for the delay here, it is the Eagles minus three and a half, RJ.
6: Who do you like? I
7: like the Eagles. Now the Eagles are coming off a bye, and I think that that bye is really going to help them because they're likely to get key guys back. Who are they getting back? Miles Sanders, running back, number one in the NFL in yards per rush. Jeffrey, what's he got? Like 15 rushes this year? He's got two yard. He's got two rushes for over 75 yards already. Um, Sounds fluky. Jeffrey, their wide receiver, likely to come back, and they may get back one or both of their linemen. Now that's they didn't participate in practice today, Lane Johnson. And
6: uh, that's it? That's They're it. we to get some guys back. Key right. guys. This is a question, and this is a simple question. If you look at the Giants and think, how have they played relative to expectation this year? And then you look at Philadelphia and think, how have they played? Who's been war- I think both of them have probably fallen a little short, if not more. Who has fallen more short? Feds, and this is an objective question because you got power ratings. Who have you dropped more? Philly. By how many points? Three and a half points. And you dropped Giants by how much? One and a half. So the difference is two points? Yes. So you're saying that now Giants are two points closer to Philly than they were? Yes. Okay, the summer line in this game was three and a half. The current line in this game is three and a half. <laughs> Explain to me how that adjustment makes any sense. It doesn't. You know why? Because we all got in our minds, Philly's Philly, man. Carson Wentz almost won the MVP that one year before he got hurt. Maybe. But what we know is performance-wise, Philly's been horrible. This is all on a dream. And even if we accept the dream, which is embedded in our head because we always are going to overrate Philly because they got so much potential, even then they are two points less than we thought they were, more than the Giants. But I'm getting the same line I could have gotten this summer. You got 10 seconds to reply. You don't got any reply. I
7: don't have anything because my power (laughs) ratings actually agree with you.
6: The fight's over, Jonas.
8: (laughs) Fight out of Vegas!
6: Fox
5: Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.